Welcome you back into the Baseball Elite Podcast. Kyle Elfrink and Ray Flowers hanging out with you. And uh, it is certainly crunch time. About two weeks to go in the baseball season. And for the fantasy player, maybe your postseason. Heck, maybe you're just uh, finishing off the leash. I, I always wonder, Ray, like our listeners, you know, not everyone can win. Not everyone can be in the, the fantasy postseason right now. I, I just wonder how many of those people who are like sitting in ninth place are still checking in with us every week to see <laughs> to see what they need to know going into the final two weeks. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. I think that even some people I, I've got from a few folks, they won their league. So some people's leagues ended, uh-huh. which I find a little strange. I know a lot of other people I've heard from, this is their finals week this week. Obviously, if you're playing Roto, it goes to the end. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's really interesting because it's a great question. Like, you know, you know, that I know there's some people out here that are listening to every word we say, reading every word we write, and they're, they're making, trying to make every single move. And namely your mom and my dad. Yeah. yeah. Well, and me, because I'm trying to win a couple of <laughs> leagues myself. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. I hope, hopefully people are enjoying at least the banter, the back and forth. And, and, you know, it's, it's worth their time regardless. Yeah. Well, and I, I always think there are uh, things you can pull up and, and say, oh yeah, that did occur. And, and here over the next few weeks, you know, this week, next week, probably a season recap. And we may delve in deeper into the month of October to just kind of recap everything that went down in 2021 and how it affects 2022. But we're going to start um, taking a look at some of the overarching storylines, some of the developments from fantasy baseball uh, here in 2021, it's it's such a long haul, and there are so many and so many and so many games and at bats and pitches and all that that not even Ray Flowers can keep up with everything. So our goal over the next few weeks is not only to to maybe give you some last minute advice to win some leagues, but also to give you some advice to go into your off season, maybe some things to know about and and things to understand. And I will note, Ray, you touched on Championship Week being this week. Um, a bit later, we'll get into to Rob Povia's weekly p- planner article um, over at Fantasy Guru. We talk about that every Monday here on the show. Uh, but as he brings up, and I think you brought it up too, there, there are a ton of games this week. Um, now, there's a lot of seven inning games because of doubleheaders. But I don't know if we've had a week this year with more games. Hell, we've even got Cleveland. I think it's Cleveland. Nine games for the Cleveland Indians. So, I mean, maybe this is a great championship week just because everybody seems to be in play. Yeah, they have nine games and the Red Sox and Mets have five. So, you know, this is a big week because I, I, I personally am in an on-base percentage league. Brandon Nimmo's back. He's healthy. And I'm like, he's playing five games this week. Uh, you know, and then you look at the, the, the matchups that the Mets currently have, three lefty, two righty. It's like, is he going to play four games this week? I mean, so you could, if there's ever a time to not only, hey, I'm going to use this guy because he seems to be in a good groove, I'm going to start Lane Thomas or Matt Duffy. Um, you got to take a look at what the games are going to look like this week because there are huge spreads with some of these guys. So, again, we'll dig into that as we get uh, deeper into this edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast. Let's give you our starting nine for this edition, starting with perhaps one of the quietest MVP runs of quite some time. Maybe not ever, but doesn't it seem like nobody's talking about how good Bryce Harper has been? In 2021, we never talk about Bryce Harper. We'll talk about him here to lead things off on the podcast. In the two-hole, we'll talk about another guy who's just doing the same old, same old, a first-round repeat for 2022, a guy who's been in the first round 2021, 2020, 2019, and yet we never seem to appreciate him, Jose Ramirez. So those are our first two slots, a little appreciation for overlooked stars in the fantasy game. Give you some news and notes in the three-hole. Player profile of Frankie Montas hitting in the cleanup spot. We'll begin our post-mortem on the 2021 season. Relief pitchers and saves. There were a lot of different strategies when it came to finding relievers this year. What worked and what didn't? Who surprised and who didn't? We'll talk about that in the five hole. Mention Rob Povia's weekly planner. We'll give you some of the highlights there in the sixth spot. As usual, we'll check in on the waiver wire. A very quiet waiver wire in the Sirius XM host league. I'll give you a guess, dear listener. One person is still active on that waiver wire. Who might it be? Just a guess. Just a guess. That'll be in the seventh spot. Random reference at eight and then stamp of approval at nine. Uh, Ray Flowers, let's begin with Bryce Harper. That's a good spot to begin. Um, dare I say the second best season of what's been a good career for Bryce Harper. Maybe it hasn't been you know, epic. Maybe it hasn't been top five hitter of all time. Like some people kind of thought say 10 years ago, 
but we are now in the midst of what could be an MVP season for Bryce Harper. And I say it's been very quiet. Ray, nobody has really taken the, 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 the reins in the National League. Like the American League, you've got Otani, you've got Vlad. I mean, that's a good battle back and forth arguments to be made for both sides. In the National League, it kind of comes down to Fernando Tatis as the lead dog, but he's missed a lot of time. And now the Padres are playing some awful baseball. Last weekend, we saw Fernando Tatis, you know, yelling in the dugout with Manny Machado. Um, slowly but surely, Bryce Harper's kind of catching up here. Now, the Phillies aren't in the playoffs as we sit here today, uh, but maybe it's not going to take a playoff team for him to win that award. Yeah, if we're if we're going by non-traditional measures, you know, and you look at a 173 rated wins created plus, a 435 WOBA, I mean, these are elite Hall of Fame worthy numbers in any season. I mean, those are all all-time great numbers. And more traditional means, he's hitting over 300. He's got a 400 on base percentage. He's got a 600 slugging percentage. Those are also obviously, no matter what the era, MVP level numbers. Uh, and he has, you know, played through some injuries. He's missed a few games too, but I guess that's just where we're at this point in time. Um, but he also started extremely slowly. And so this is not a, a, hey, I'm backing into this, slowing down. He's picking up steam as the season goes along. And that usually influences voters, maybe more than it should, but I think it plays a part, Kyle. And as I noted, he's been good in his career, but not great. Like he had that MVP season in 2015, and that's where it looked like, okay, man, this guy's just going to own baseball for the next half decade. But Ray, remarkably, since that season, he hasn't made an all-star game since 2018. That includes this year. And I wonder how many future MVPs didn't make the all-star game, but, but we could have that happen with Bryce Harper. Um, only one of the last five years has he even gotten MVP votes. I'm not saying finishing top five or top 10, just getting votes. And, and Ray, that was in 2017. I mean, th this is now three years, four years removed from even getting MVP votes. And, you know, there are reasons for that. But, Ray, it's pretty remarkable when you can look at Bryce Harper now and say, this guy is 30, 100, 100. That's kind of what he is. Uh, that may be a bit high. Maybe he's more 30, 90, 90. Uh, but now he has been just surpassed by all the youth in baseball. Like he, he's no longer the youthful guy. He's now the vet and everybody's more crazed about Vlad, um, about Otis uh, or about Tatis, about Acuna, about Soto, all these guys. And, and Bryce Harper, like I said, quietly has kind of bettered all of those guys this year. And yeah, sure. Acuna has been hurt and Soto's missed time, Tatis, all this stuff, Vlad's in the other league. But you look at, at Bryce Harper, and I think when it's all said and done, especially for this season, you're going to say, okay, that's a that's a top 10 hitter in fantasy baseball that really nobody's given credit to this summer. Yeah, I mean, double-digit steals, it's only 13, but in 2021 baseball, that's like 20. Um, he's hitting over 300, right? And he's often hitting 270, 260, you know, so the 300 average is huge. I, and I'm not just going to say, I'm going to ask a question here and, and interested to hear your response. Um, you know, comparing him to the young guys is the right thing to do because it's the, the proper discussion. But if you were going to have a team from this point forward, you actually had a team, Kyle, from this point forward. Do you want Mike Trout or Bryce Harper? Hmm. Mike Trout in five years has played 135 games one time. Wow. That's a, that's a fun question, Ray. Um, Cause wow. that was the question coming up, right? Remember we interviewed you and I, you and I interviewed him in the Arizona fall. Like you actually did. You chased Mike Trout down in the field. Um, but that was the debate, right? And to, to date, Mike Trout has dominated the discussion, MVP awards that, you know, uh, but from this point forward, uh, Mike Trout had a calf injury that took three times as long as it was supposed to to heal. Uh, and like I said, one time in five years, he has played enough games to only miss a month of games. And Bryce Harper, 159, Bryce Harper missed three games, five games, two games the last three years. He's missed last, less games the last three years than, than, <laughs> Any year you can look at with with Mike Trout since 2016. Yeah. So well, it's it's funny you bring that up, Ray. I find that for both real life baseball GMs and mm -hmm. managers and all that, they'd all take Trout. Everybody would. Mm -hmm. um, and I think in the fantasy game, they'd take Trout because mm -hmm. people don't seem to care about injuries anymore. They really don't. Um, and I guess people see it as, oh, I can just blame injuries for a bad decision. You know, they, they, they almost want to say, well, I can't predict injuries, so screw it. And I'm just going to draft the best player, which... Hey, there, that's a strategy, I guess. But I, I think people use that as a cop-out. 
the injury thing and they say, well, you know, I just, who could have guessed that, that Mike Trout would be injured? Really? Who? He's like Ray just noted. He's been injured for a half decade now. He's missing time. I know this year has sucked with Mike Trout. It was unexpected, but you can't sit here and say it's a surprise that Mike Trout's injured. Um, now with Harper, Ray, the thing is when they're both in, Trout's better. Right. It just is. Mm-hmm. But, and so people will make that argument. Well, I, you know, Trout's just better and he dominates Harper, which I guess you can stick to that. But people just don't give credit for showing up every day. It's, it's like, who cares anymore? Um, we all want to blame injuries for when we don't have success. And in draft season, I find constantly, and this is every sport, people just don't care about injuries or it doesn't affect them. We're going to see it next year with DeGrom. You and I have talked about this. Uh, people will just ignore all of those things and draft the talent. And it's almost like, well, who cares if he only plays 80 games? You know, nobody's going to be following this story in July and, and nobody's going to care in August. I mean, these are things I care about, but I think a lot of people in the fantasy world, they're like, well, you don't have to pay a price for screwing up that pick anyway, so I'll just make it. Yeah, I'm getting a serious uh, Nelson Cruz kind of vibe with Bryce Harper. And I, by that, I mean a guy that came up and had injuries at the start of his career and then kind of figured it out. Because let's also forget, Harper's dealt with back issues and everything, and he's still missing two, three, five games a year. Like, he's figured a way to stay on the field. So I think it's, it's an interesting question moving forward. And, and I do think that your point about the, the injury part is completely valid, completely accurate. And, you know, I was thinking about this actually last week because it was impacting one of my teams. Um, you know, we say this, you know, we, let's say you, you have to at this point in time, Bacon, Mike Trout's going to miss a month. If you're not, you're just, you have, you've ignored the last five years, like you're saying. You have to bake that in. Well, Ray, Kyle, I'll just go to the wave wire and backfill it. Okay. Can you do that? Depends when the injury happens. Go to the wave wire right now. What do you see? Crap. It's different if the injury happens in May, right? But at the end of the season, especially if you're in a league that has you know, five aisle spots, unlimited aisle spots, there's no one to pick up. So you can't backfill it. Then what happens if the player, Mike Trout, is injured and we think he's going to play this week, but we're not sure. They say he's going to play Thursday. You're not going to put him active in your lineup if you're setting it on Monday, if he's not active till Thursday. You're not going to take oh, three games zeros because you know when he comes back, he's sitting one of the four games they play the rest of the week for sure anyway because he just got it back off the end. You're going to play him for three games? No. So what happens if he goes out in one of those three games and hits three home runs and has eight RBIs? At the end of the season, oh my God, he had 30 home runs. He had 100 RBIs. How many of those numbers were actually in your lineup? You ended up with 27 of them. In 90 of them because he missed game. So it's, it's a false sense of security sometimes with injury-prone players that we can backfill it. It's not easy to do. That we'll get every single number that Mike Trout puts up in every game he plays. It's also not true, right? Because there, there will be games that you miss. So I think it's just a fascinating question to, to look at from a myriad of sides. Well, and on that backfill, people will say, well, last year I could have gotten Cedric Mullins or Adolis Garcia off the waiver wire. And you're like, okay, yeah, you could have. Um, here's the problem. Cedric Mullins, you would have had to get the first waiver period because he had a good first weekend. Everybody was after him. You know, people cared about the waiver wire back in a- April. Uh, so there was a lot more competition for those guys. Uh, a guy like Garcia really had a great April and May and has been very ordinary since then. The overall numbers are going to be fine, but he's been extremely ordinary. So he hasn't been that great. Um, The other thing with backfilling Ray, it's interesting to use that term. We'll get into draft season and people will draft a a starting pitcher first, you know, whether it's DeGrom, Cole, Bieber, whoever it is. And then they'll kind of say, well, I've got my horse or I can take a break or, you know, they'll even do it with things like stolen bases. Like I got Alberto Mondesi. Now I'm, I'm good at stolen bases. Um, or maybe next year they'll say, you know, I got Mike Trout. That's a five category producer. I'm good there. I can go attack pitching. If you draft these guys with injury issues, Ray, it doesn't allow you to then ignore similar players. It, it almost forces you to draft another outfielder are to draft more stolen bases later. Like you can't look at Mondesi, DeGrom or Trout and say, oh, they've got me covered in this category. I'm covered at this position. It, it doesn't, a, a lot of times people say, well, that allows me to have my horse and now I can go five rounds without selecting my next pitcher. You know, or I'm good in stolen bases. I don't need, but it really doesn't allow that when the guy you're drafting, Ray, is somebody who has a history, not a one-year snapshot, a history of missing time. They, they don't cover issues that that you have to address in a draft they they just kind of make it okay you still have to draft guys to cover those issues even when you get 
a Jake DeGrom, a Mondesi, or a Trout. Yeah, and you and I both think the idea of pocket ace is, is stupid, taking like two starting pitchers at the start of your draft. But you will hear people that go that route explain it similarly to how you just did. It's, look, I have an advantage here that I just gained. I have to press my advantage, right? If I back off my advantage and I take one starting pitcher and the, I, I take these two starting pitchers and then my third starting pitcher I don't take to round 10, I've lost my advantage. I've fallen back to the pack. So then you almost, like you're saying, you paint yourself into a corner of having to go in a certain direction. You, you aren't able to take advantage necessarily of opportunities that arrive in the draft because, again, you have to go in this direction. Maybe you really want to go over here, but you've got to go in this direction to support what you're doing, like you're saying, so it limits your options. And um, I just, you know, I, I think one of the biggest, and I, we've talked about this, I've written about it for years, one of the biggest mistakes you can make at the top of a draft is taking someone who's not going to be there. And I don't care how you explain it because you're right. The Cedric Mullins thing and the Dolis Garcia, people can always come up with these examples, but the, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Like everyone forgets all the players that failed along the way and they'll, they'll point out the three. Oh my gosh, this guy's ADP was, you know, 802. Right. And what about Jared Kelnick? How'd that go? What about Bobby Witt? How'd that go? You know, and you can play this game of all these wasted picks that everyone conveniently forgets. Mm hmm. To circle back this entire discussion, Bryce Harper, is he a first round pick next year? Ooh, see, you know, I honestly haven't done the rankings, but he's, he's definitely in consideration. Yeah. And, and he always is. I, yes. I don't want to say he always is. He's usually always been Ray, like a second, third round pick. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of years he's crept into the first round, but I think next year he just might do it because you look at that first round from this year, Ray, and mm -hmm. you know, Yellinger is not going to, or Yellich isn't going to be there. Bellinger is not going to be there. Um, Trout may fall out. Um, Trevor Spray's not going to be there. So, so maybe that because yeah. Harper was still like a mid to late second round and coming off this season and with these other guys falling back, maybe he does kind of jump into that uh, first round, kind of the back end, you know, that yeah. nine to 12 range. Yeah. He'll only be 29 years old. So it's not, age is <laughs> not an issue. Um, if you look at the batted ball data from last year and this year, it's superb. It's not good. It's superb. So there's, you know, there's no reason to have any kind of panic here. We all know we matched the ball as hard as anyone. He hit 268 last year. He hit 313 this year. That's kind of which guy is he? Yeah. For the he's, majority. He's like, he's, he's, don't you think he's just more of a 275 hitter? I think he is. But I will point out that his expected batting average last year to this year, it's actually higher last year. So if you look at all the batted ball data, it was 308 last year. It's 302 this year. So we do have batted ball data suggesting the last year's he's about a 300 hitter. So. You know, I, I think 275 is a safe point for him. Yes. Uh, can he do more than that? We're seeing it this year. Again, the data supports him being more of that guy too. But that's the real issue for me. For Trout, it's can he stay healthy? And does he is he going to run anymore? Because he's really not running anymore. And with Harper, it's what's that batting average going to look like? It's a great question. As we move to the two spot, um, let's keep it rolling with quote unquote fantasy stars. And let's keep it rolling with overlooked fantasy stars. Ray, we are in the midst of a sixth consecutive season. Count them, six consecutive years of Jose Ramirez being a true fantasy asset. Now, I know, hey, in 20, what was it, 2019, he wasn't great, but he was still a fantasy asset. You know, his down year was still usable, 24 stolen bases. So it was still good. Ray, lo and behold, this year, we're, we're just back to the same old, same old with this guy. And, and some things aren't consistent from year to year. But overall, when we walk away from this season, Jose Ramirez is going to be one of those guys who we don't have to ask the question, is he a first rounder next year? He will be. He's a first rounder next season. And Ray, he's going to have almost 40 homers, well over 100 runs, probably 100 ribbies and 25 steals. Not only is he a first rounder, Ray. <laughs> he might be a top five pick next season, Jose Ramirez. Yeah, the, the issue with him for me uh, is twofold. We were just talking about batting average. What is his batting average, right? Everywhere but steady. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> and it's tough to take a guy, you know, it, it's different if you're in a non-base percentage league, okay, because there's more stability there. But we're talking batting average league, which the majority of them still are. You know, we're going to have two years. It's the Bryce Harper thing. It's the same, he's 279 career hitter and, you know, is it going to be 290? Is it going to be 260? Yeah. And here's the thing, right? You're right on the batting average, but it's never going to be below average, really. You yeah, know, it it's be because if, if you consider average 245, right? Like, I can't, even his worst year was, you know, that 2019, he was 255. So it's, it's almost like, well, how much batting average am I going to get? And that's a knock. 
you're, you're totally right there. But the other four categories appear to be rock solid with this guy. Yeah, but I mean, we would have said the same thing about Francisco Lindor and Gleyber Torres. So, you know, there's, I, I will say this, and, you know, this is something that he's been excellent. His walk to strikeout ratio is frequently right around one, Jose Ramirez. So his batting average should be better than it is, really. Um, <laughs> I think the second issue, and this is something, and I'm taking full credit for this. I'm, I'm taking credit for us having this discussion, Kyle, and why is that? Because I wrote an article three months ago saying that I, is Jose Ramirez a four-category guy? Well, he's not running. What happened? He doesn't run anymore. <laughs> he had eight steals. He was averaging a steal every 10 games in the first well, half of the season. You must have read your article. Right? That's what I'm saying. I'm taking credit. <laughs> he had a steal every 10 games the first half of the season. Second half of the season, it's one every three. <laughs> so and all of a sudden he's going to get 25 steals right with one more so uh you know the moral of the story here is you're you're right he's not he's not overly sexy because of the batting average component but truthfully the consistency with which he's putting up numbers especially in the steals column makes him stand out well if you rewind the clock to, to six months ago which is kind of crazy to say i guess it may be more five months ago but ray the big question was oh my gosh lindor is gone this lineup sucks. I mean, how is Jose Ramirez going to produce anything? And again, Ray, close to 40 homers, over 100 runs, 100 ribbies, 25 steals, really didn't miss a beat. And again, I, it's not like somebody emerged in that lineup and became a, a real solid hitter. I, the closest you can say is a Med Rosario. And it's just been because he's become average. <laughs> Every, nobody else, Ray, I, I would argue, has really stepped forth for Cleveland this year. And Jose Ramirez still did what he always has done, even when he doesn't have Lindor or some of those other guys that we expected over the previous three or four years. Yeah, and one of the reasons for that um, is that, you know, he, he doesn't strike out. You know, I mean, when you look at his levels of production, the home runs, the RBIs, like you see 35, 90. And you're expecting to see 150 strikeouts. He's got 77. So he's putting the ball in play at a rate that's 100% higher than most of the guys that have power. And that opens up so much for him, even if, you know, even if 20 of those balls are dribblers to third base. You know what I'm saying? He's just putting the ball in play. He's making things happen. He's not giving free outs. He's moving guys up on the base paths. He's potentially driving in runs, even if he's making outs. He, he just puts the ball in play, and that's such a rare thing. Usually when a guy has an approach like him, they're hitting 280 with 12 home runs. So I think that's a, that's a big thing for him, Kyle, is that he gives himself an opportunity to help out, especially in like that RBI category, even if he's not producing base hits. Um, now I say all this with Cleveland. Uh, we should note going into this offseason, he could be one of the big trade pieces in the offseason. Um, his contract, I think we've got a – team option for next year which <laughs> it's 11 million bucks it's take it. I mean, the, the guy's a 28 million dollar player but they're right. getting him for 11 million there's also a team option for 2023 so it's not a guarantee but ray there will be a lot of discussion about jose ramirez because if you trade him now coming off this season you might bring back more than lindor now i i criticize the hell out of the indians and what they got back in that deal for lindor and i guess with rosario they've at least resurrected his career a bit um, we'll have to see on the other guys, but there could very well be this, this may be the time to flip Ramirez. That contract is tasty to everybody in baseball, and you should get an absolute haul for him if you want to trade him this offseason. Yeah, and he's 29. He's in that same age group as you know Trout and Harper. And so now's the time to maximize it. You mentioned the club options. I mean, if he gets traded, he's going to say, sign me. And I, I would assume a new team would you know willingly do that. But they may not. They might just say, here. We're paying you 16 million the next two years, whatever the hell it is. Have at it, you know. And you want to you want to make a lot of money, be good the next two years. Who knows? But he he would bring back obviously a tremendous return. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm really and you, you and I have discussed this a little bit too. I'm really down on baseball in terms of what the CBA is going to do and what this offseason is. I really hope they figure this out. I'm very nervous mm -hmm. um, that there's a strike or a lockout or something coming next year and this sport's going to get torpedoed um, because you you can't. I mean, the Indians. Are, the Indians, the Cleveland team, the Guardians, whatever. They're, they've had so much talent through the years, and they've, they've had the ebbs and flows, right? But you shouldn't be selling off pieces because you can't pay for it. Like that, baseball shouldn't have that. Mm. You know, Ramirez and Lindor should have been at the center of this team, and they should have been carrying into the playoffs for, you know what I mean? So I wouldn't want them to do fire sale city here. 
but they've got to be honest with themselves and they got to look at their roster. And like you're saying, now would be the time to trade him uh, with those two years of potential control. I think it's safe to say again, he's a first rounder um, repeating again. Ray, I know you don't have an official list and we'll probably get more official three, four weeks from now, but um, quickly, it, it, these guys were all first rounders this year. And I'm just a yes or no. Do they repeat next year as first rounders? Acuna. Well, by the way, just so I you know, everyone remembers, it's about a 35% chance you repeat. Yeah. Okay. So uh, if Acuna is healthy, yes. No, come on, Ray. What? <laughs> Well, I don't know. Is his knee? I, I'm, I'm. He's hurt now. That's fair, Kyle. That's not if he doesn't. But, but don't he's you hurt think, right now having surgery? You know, here's it. I I think we'll see him in spring training, and people aren't even going to care then, as long as he's out there. Like right. even I wonder with the Cunha Ray. Let's say they say he's going to be back May first. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't make him a first round pick. I know you wouldn't either. Right. But I bet a majority of the leagues he'd still go first round. Well, Kyle, I'll tell you this: it's the same thing as drafting Mike Trout. I told you, I mean, he misses more than a month of games every year. And so people take Trout in the first round. Why wouldn't they take Acuna? I think Acuna will be there. Tatis. Yes. I think, yeah. Got to be. Soto. Yep. Yes. Mookie Betts. Probably. Good question. Maybe. Kind of right at the end there with Harper. That's, that's uh, maybe. DeGrom. I bet he will be, but he doesn't deserve to be. <laughs> Correct. That's my opinion. Yes. Trout. I'm going to say yes, but. Uh... I think people will cool on Trout. Okay. You know, I think he'll fall out of the first round, he'll, which then, of course, we'll get the bargain screen. Yeah, but, he'll <laughs> fall to 16. His ADP will be yeah. 16. And then by March 30th, it'll be nine. Garrett Cole. Here's the thing, Ray. I, I mean, I know he's good, but the ERA is now over three. He gives up home runs. Um, he's kind of inconsistent, honestly. Uh, I guess he'll still be close to it. If you're going to say DeGrom's a first rounder, I guess you'd have to say Cole is. Got bombed last night, right? Um yeah, I think that with the way, again, I'm not doing it, but with the way people draft and given the fact that he seems to be one of the few guys in baseball who can actually throw 200 innings, yes. I think Trey Turner's safe. Yep. Bieber, I'm going to say no. Hopefully no. Yeah. Jose Ramirez, yes. Yelich, adios. Mm. Trevor Story, adios. Those, those guys are out. Now, that's, that's not a bad repeat from one year to the next. If you've got Acuna, Tatis, Soto... DeGrom, let's throw in Trey Turner, Jose Ramirez. That's about half, right? Mm -hmm. That's about six of the 12 and maybe an extra guy here or a less guy there, but it'd been about six of the 12 guys. I'd have to think are moving in. Freddie Freeman should move in. Um, Harper will come close. Bo Bichette and Vlad, probably both of them. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. I think Vlad's in there. I, I wonder if Scherzer gets in there, Ray. You know, Bogarts can probably sneak in there. I think in some setups, you might get some Albies love. Um, we'll just have to see on the back end. And, and, and that's where it's always wishy-washy is kind of figuring out those 10, 11, and 12 guys. Yeah, I mean, the, I, when you look at, the, and we talked about Scherzer last week, when you look at the numbers, when you look at the production, when you look at the history, like, I, again, I mean, you, you can make the case. I, I've made the case you've made the case the listeners know this that you know we're not fans of going pitching early it doesn't mean that that won't be where the universe is at um, I, I I was really astounded by the way the, the fantasy community handled pitching this year you know that um I was astounded by it and you know frankly I'm, I'm calling I'm doing a victory lap everyone was wrong all these people that invested in pitching they were all wrong and I don't Just know. Make sure you repeat that on every draft next year, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, hopefully, get, build that argument now and just put it on replay. For yeah, the month of March because it's like, you know, the the new two hundred is one sixty five. Like it's people don't throw innings, and this idea that you you know guys are going to stay healthy, and we've had all these pitchers emerge, and you say it all the time. People think if they miss out and keeper leagues, you miss out on that rookie this year. Oh, there's going to be a guy next year, you know. So, yeah. Um, I'm not going to rule out a guy like Scherzer making it. Um, I think it'd be too aggressive for me, but uh, he could get there. Let's move to the three spot in our baseball late podcast. We were just talking about Shane Bieber did make his uh, second rehab start um, on Sunday. Um, so maybe one more, he went 57 pitches and, you know, again, Ray, it's, it's not important for Bieber to be back for the Indians. It's one of those things we touched on last week. It'd just be nice to see him for a start, but I mean, it's probably four innings back in the major leagues. I don't think there's even two starts here. It's probably one more start for Bieber just to get him on the hill 
and make them comfortable again. Yeah. And you know, the, a lot for the peace of mind and all of that. Um, but yeah, we're, we're at that point of the season where you, you really, you've got to look at the player's name, but really it's, it's not as important. It's, yeah. been, it's, it's matchups. Just, it's yeah. who's going to give me innings. Yeah. What's the opportunity for you know, a win? Josh Rogers might be a better play. I mean, that's yeah. just where we're at in the season. Couple of other news and notes. Uh, Kyle Tucker dealing with a shoulder injury left early on Sunday. Uh, Hinjin Ryu over the weekend placed on the IL neck injury for him. Talked a lot about Mike Trout. Pretty well official. He's done for the season, and, and you can just say it is official. He has done nothing that has been a long and winding road. I hope people took my advice way back in May when I said, you know what, if you're in a redraft league, trade him. Get something now for him. We warned you back then. Go back. You can look up all these old uh, podcasts. We said, you know what, calf, calf injuries can be tricky. <laughs> Mike Trout may be better to trade now than to sit around all summer. Hopefully you listen. Um, Let's see. Garrett Whitlock, who's had a very good year out of the bullpen pectoral. He was pulled from his outing, certainly a Nick to uh, Boston as they tried to make the playoffs. And then Ray, we should note later tonight, Shane Baz will make his major league debut. Unfortunately it's against Toronto. So like anybody who may have picked up Shane Baz and said, oh, I can get two starts, maybe nine innings out of the guy. Um, I, I have him in a league, Ray, and I'm like, screw it. <laughs> it's, it's like, I know it's Toronto, but throw him out there. My season's not going well. It's not like I'm gunning for first place. I'm using him, and I think a lot of people will tonight against Toronto. Yeah, I wrote, him in, I wrote about him in the fab piece uh, on Saturday, and uh, I'll just read the last sentence. You got to add the arm talent, but it'll take some big stones to roll them out there against the Jays this I week. I got big stones, All right? right. Let me tell there you. There you go. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, I've got Rasmussen on a couple teams. He's on my bench because the Toronto, it's like, you know, the we'll see. You just don't with with Baz. I mean, he had he had the back issue last week. I guess it was spasms or something like eh. I, I don't know, man. Like I said, stop being a wimp, Ray. Come last, on. Last 30 days, the Jays are second in baseball and home runs. They're first in Woba. <laughs> I'm being a wimp with him. But they've yet to face Shane Baz. That is very accurate. And, and as we mentioned, Shane Baz, we should also um, mention the Pittsburgh Pirates traded Shane Baz, Austin Meadows, and Tyler Glass now all in the same trade for Chris Archer. And Ray, even Chris Archer is now back with the Rays. <laughs> That's, that's, that's one of the worst trades we've seen in the last four decades. Don't well, you believe if Tyler Glasnow can stay healthy, that might be the worst trade in the history of baseball. Like that's <laughs> wow. And, and, you know, again, we remember these trades. We don't remember the 47 other trades where the prospects flamed out, but yeah. my goodness. The, the kicker is the fact that Archer is back with the Rays. Right, right. <laughs> oh. uh, the Tampa Bay Rays never fails. Um, if, if I were a GM Ray and I got a call from them, I'd hang up. Yeah, like no, thanks, bro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you want you, you want so and so? We're giving yeah, him a raise. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, not not gonna do it. Keep calling. Uh, let's go to the four hole in our starting nine. Time for a player profile, and we're gonna play. We're gonna profile a guy who honestly I couldn't believe it. This guy made his debut in 2015, and if you ask me, just point blank, Kyle, is this a young guy? I'd say yeah, he's like in his third year. But again, 2015 was his debut. Uh, Ray, he's having his best season right now. He has reached 30 starts for the first time in his career. And as you've noted, nobody does that anymore. Uh, he is doing it this year. Uh, got a no decision on Sunday, but it was a really good effort. I think it was seven shutout innings. The mystery man is Frankie Montas, who again, Ray, I, I think he's been in the league like three years. Um, now he's made a hundred appearances since 2015. So this has been very sporadic, like his, his opportunities, but 30 of them have come this year. And Ray, I guess you can say it's clicked a bit this year. We're getting to see more of them with Oakland. It hasn't been like Cy Young worthy or anything, but th this is kind of what people have been hoping for with Frankie Montas. It finally happened in 2021. Yeah. Um, he added a split finger in 2019 and had a great year. He made 16 starts, but he had a great year. And then he came into last season with all kinds of excitement, all kinds of hype, started the season out extremely well, and then tweaked his back. And they said he was fine, but the results were awful the rest of the way. And he sucked. He straight up sucked last year. What happened this year? Well, he got healthy again, and he's put it all together. I mean, his numbers on the season are tremendous. And, you know, he's got 192 strikeouts. He's going to get 200 strikeouts this year. Yeah. You know, and everyone, all anyone talks about in preseason, strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. Frankie Montas going to get 200 strikeouts. In the second half, batters are hitting 210 against him. His Woba against is 263. 
He's got almost 11 strikeouts per nine innings, and his whip is 108. Like his, if you took his numbers in the second half and you erased his name and you put Garrett Cole, you'd be like, yeah, okay. I mean, that's really how well he's pitched. And it's, he has tremendous talent, and that split finger is such a huge key for him. I think that if he stays healthy, he's, able to, he's going to be able to replicate what he did this year. I don't think this season, Kyle, is completely out of the norm for what should be expected moving forward. Pretty remarkable. He'll be 29 at the start of next season. And again, maybe I'm the only one who thinks this, but I just feel like he's 24. You know, I, I feel that way. That, now, the innings, Ray, he's currently ninth in baseball. So roughly speaking, let's just say he'll finish top 10 in innings. We're all looking for innings. I'm looking at this list of top 10 innings, Ray, and I'm wondering if any of these guys will go top 10 as pitchers next year. Uh, Zach Wheeler, I'm going to say yes. I think he'll yeah. be a top 10 pitcher. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Adam Wainwright, no. Nope. nope. Sandy Alcantara? I'm going to no. say top 20 for sure. I think top 10 is too much. Yeah. Walker Bueller will be top mm-hmm. 10. Jose Barrios. Oh, I think he may be just outside the top 10. Agreed. I got a feeling he's going to be raised target everywhere in, in drafts. Usually is anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Robbie Ray's a difficult one, but he's top 10 in innings and having a really good year. If you just looked at his numbers, Ray, you'd put him in the top 10, but I wonder if that name will have people fade him. It's a great question because his performance this year, just like the next guy on the list in innings pitched, is opposite of kind of what the expectations were. Um he basically is just throwing everything in the strike zone now. And he never did that before. So, I, I'm going to say he's too dangerous for top 10. I think like it could just, I feel like it could switch in a snap for him. And well, it, it, strike zone. it could, but like you're saying, as you're going through this list, you look at some of these, like some of these names have no chance to be top 10. You look at some of the guys that could be top 10 and they're, they're going to be injured coming off injury. I'm going to say no on Ray, but it's going to be extremely close. Uh, Luis Castillo is the rare bird in this list of uh, guys top 10 in innings pitch because he's getting a lot of innings, yet his ERA is the only one on this list above four. In fact, he's the only one on this list above three, six. He's at 410. Uh, so Castillo's on there. I don't think he's going to be top 10 next year, Ray. I mean, it's it, it'll be a rebound candidate, but not top 10. Yeah, there's um, absolutely no chance that he's top 10. But, I, you know, let's, I will say last 20 starts, the ERA is 276. So he's, had, he's had a remarkable turnaround in season. Gaussman? No. <sighs> no. There's no way, right? <laughs> no. No, I mean, that, talk about a splitter. Um, no, he's a, he's a free agent at the end of the year, too. So am I, am I re- not remembering? No, he is a free agent. So, yeah, yeah. so he, depending where he, he signs. San Francisco, people will fade him no matter where he goes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Frankie Montas. Outside. Outside and then Nathan Evaldi outside. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks. Have to get your and then like the other guys, and again, we're talking innings pitched. Kyle Gibson, Erman Marquez, Kyle Hendricks, Charlie Morton. Those are the next four names. They're not going to be top 10. And then you get to guys, and these guys are barely like Garrett Cole, Woodruff, Scherzer, um, Giolito, I guess. But then like names like Urias and Nola and Greenkey. So, you know, there, there's some big names just outside the top 10s for innings pitch. Frankie Montas in the top 10. Thought we'd give him a little bit of love. 30, Ray, he's going to have 32 starts this year. Holy cow. I mean, yeah. the guy's never had more than 16. Now, I ask you, will you worry about, what is it, the Verducci effect? Because mm. he's probably going to be at, you know, 185 innings, which he's never hit 100 before this season. I write about, you know, workload concerns and everything like that. I think that a lot of teams, I'm going to say no. And the reason I say no is because teams are so aware of it now. It's not a guy's going to throw 128 pitches and throw eight innings and three straight starts. That's not how they're utilized, right? They, they pull them at 92 pitches. They pull them two times through the order. They're very, they're very good about realizing when there needs to be a break. So I think that the innings, you know, we're not going to see 220 innings anymore. We're barely going to see 200 innings anymore. But I think that that does allow guys to avoid injury because teams micromanage them so closely that they just don't get those late laborious innings or those big pitch counts that really lead to the injuries most frequently. And, and Ray, to your point, we're going to have four pitchers get to 200 innings this year. Four. But, Wheeler's already there. Yeah. Wainwright will get there on his next start. Mm-hmm. Alcantara, as long as he gets two starts, he should get there. Right. And then Bueller. That's it. And, and maybe Bueller doesn't. He may make one start and then they skip his final start next week, you know, just to get him ready for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. 
So we could have right as few as three pitchers with 200 innings this year. Yeah, and what are we going to have? 15 with 180. I mean, it's just that's why it is wild, wild to think that you know, 10 years ago, guys were throwing 240, and now they can't throw 180. It's the game is so different, and it's again, it's another reason why taking pitching early, you're losing 30, 40 innings that you used to get from these top end guys. It's a huge difference. Yeah, it's impact. That's what they give you with those extra 40 innings. It's, you know, those guys were the studs, the Cy Youngs, 240. So your impact was huge. You know, it's 40 extra innings of Max Scherzer. Now you're not getting that. Um, He's still good, but his overall impact to your bottom line in ratio categories, in wins, in total strikeouts, it's nothing like it was five years ago because he's going to finish with 40 fewer innings than five years ago. Let's go to the uh, five spot. And Ray, uh, this kind of follows up on what you were just talking about, what we used to see. Um, wanted to talk about relief pitchers and saves. That's, that's a big discussion every year, and you're a big proponent of solds, and everybody has a different strategy on draft day on how they're going to get saves. I was looking at numbers today, um, and right now we've got, in effect, one reliever who has a shot at 40 saves this year. Um, and that's Mark Melanson. Now, if San Diego were playing any kind of good baseball this month, he'd probably be at 40 by now, but they've just been so bad. They're crumbling. They're falling apart. Maybe he gets the final three saves and he gets to 40. Now, why am I focusing on that? I'm focusing on that, Ray, because I looked it up this morning. Every single year since 1982, we've had at least one relief pitcher get 40 saves. That's 40 years of baseball, right? <laughs> Where we get a 40 say, we may not have one this year. And again, Melanson's, I mean, Liam Hendricks ain't getting six saves in the last two weeks. Same for Kenley Jansen. Josh Hader ain't getting seven saves in the last two weeks. So, Ray, our only chance is Mark Melanson, which is kind of chuckle worthy as is because nobody wanted Mark Melanson. Like, Mark Melanson was the 20th to 25th reliever off the board. And the only argument you could make for Melanson Ray was, well, maybe I'll get 20 saves out of him. You're going to get double that. And, and overall, his numbers, they're not great, but they're good. They're as good as you could ever expect for Mark Melanson. But I found that noteworthy that he's the only guy with a chance of putting up those big save numbers this year. Well, and, and when you say the top 25, that might have been three days before the season started. Through uh-huh. draft season, yeah. yeah, you know, Pagan and Pomeranz were talked about. And I remember, you know, with you, we, we, I said, I'm going Mark Melanson. And that was – he was the third guy. He was the lowest drafted Padres reliever. So that – I might have screwed up a lot of things. At least I got that right this year. Um, but he – you know, and it's fascinating with Melanson too, by the way. Um, because he does have, for those people that have forgotten, because it's you know, a long time ago, right? He does have a, a couple of seasons of old 47 and 51 saves. Um, I, when, I was joking in my head when you were describing this. I'm thinking, well, it's not Roldis Chapman, who's never had 40 saves. Um, Chapman may not even get to 30 this year. He's at 27. But yeah, it's really fascinating. And this is, it's the same thing with the starting pitching in certain respects that teams – it's not that they don't push these guys, but they're more than willing to play matchups and do this. And I mean, Josh Hader has got, he's pitched 53 innings this year, 53, you know, I mean, Mike Marshall, the famous reliever for the Dodgers threw 200 out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Josh Hader's 53 and he's well, dominant. And Hader, do you have a, he's usually up in the seventies and eighties, right? Well, yeah. I mean, all these, I mean, these guys, even the guys with 30 saves, they're going to throw 61 innings this year. It's like, they're not even, pitching i mean it's just so there's a lot there's a lot of guys and i haven't done the numbers yet but there's a lot of guys with five tons of guys with five saves like and a lot of guys with 10 like that we've broadened out kind of like in football right where we don't necessarily have all these guys catching 120 passes we got all these guys catching 70 passes all these guys catching 60 passes same thing's happening with the saves we're getting it elongated but the peak of it is getting dumbed down a bit yeah, Hader was at 81 innings in 2018, 75 in 2019. Obviously, last year was COVID shortened, uh, but this year, 53. He's been out there all season. And, and again, he's thrown 55 games. That year, he threw 81 and a third. He threw 55 games. His role has totally changed from Milwaukee. Now, as you look at these top save artists, Ray, mm-hmm. uh, Liam Hendricks was drafted to be a stud. Mm-hmm. He has been. Uh, Josh Hader drafted to be a stud. He has been. Um, the rest of this list, I don't think Chapman's been a stud. Alex Reyes has the number, but then he 
lost his job, but amazingly nine wins, 29 saves. Like that's huge. Huge. <laughs> you yeah. know? And his ERA is still under three. And don't forget the eight losses either, Kyle. Yeah. But it's, he's a starting pitcher eight, with 29 he has a chance at nine. He could get his 10th win, Ray, and have double digit wins, double digit saves. And like, you'll look at him and go, he wasn't that good this year. Yeah, you know? Absolutely. Kind of weird. Six and a half walks per nine. You know, other guys like Will Smith's on here, um, Rasel Iglesias, Jake McGee, Edwin Diaz. Chapman does make just inside the top 10. But names like Presley and Barnes and Kennedy. Ray, I don't think this year is fairly different from other years where, you know, if you invested in the save guys like a Hendricks or a, a Kenley Jansen, it's it's done good. I don't think it's been great. Uh, you know, Hayter's been good. Hendricks has been good. You know, Kimbrell's been good but you're only going to get 25 saves from craig kimbrell this year uh, again i i think for the most part investing in closers early doesn't really work I, I don't i don't think there's near the impact that people think they're getting when they draft that first second or third closer off the board oh, i mean lance and as we're talking lance and what and you said the top 25 and again that might have been the last week he was nowhere near the top he's top probably 40 or 50 at the relief position um canley jansen was someone that i pushed everyone to draft this year because he was going like 10th 11th it's like Kenley Jan ah, I'm not worried I'm taking Kenley Jansen right Hendricks and Hader were at the top of the list but you know you, you you do Jake McGee was obviously not even drafted Alex Reyes was taken but when was he taking the 25th round no one quite knew what his role was he going to start and you know and so yeah it's another year of if you quote unquote pick the right guys you won how easy is it to pick the right guys it's incredibly difficult yeah. <laughs> it's incredibly difficult and when you look at, you know, names out there, like, you know, Matt Barnes, 20 plus saves, Emmanuel Classe, 20 plus saves, Trevino, 20 plus saves, Daniel Bard, 20 saves, Romano's 19 saves, Soto's at 18. Like, no, these were these guys drafted? Maybe, maybe, but it's at the end of the draft and reserve round. So, yeah, I, I, I think we're, we've seen yet again that, you know, people will champion, oh, take the closer early but it's just not that easy to do. I, I was just looking, Ray, at because um, we're talking ADP and where were guys going. And this is the overall picture. So this is, you know, <laughs> we'll get 1,400 drafts, you know, courtesy of the NFFC. And Ray, the sweet, check out, check out some of the talent you could get between pick 277 and 286. Um, Robbie Ray might win the Cy Young Award, 277 overall. Freddie Peralta will get Cy Young votes, 281. Overall, Mark Melanson, who will lead baseball and saves 282 overall. And then Brian Reynolds, who has a chance of a 900 OPS, 286 overall. Right. Ray, those are four fantasy studs between picks 277 and 286 in draft season. Yeah. And if you're in a 12 team league, that's 23rd, 24th round. So it's like your last pick or the reserve rounds all I mean, stars all stars and again all anyone next year will want to talk about except our audience all they want to talk about is the first or second round let's not talk about the first or second round let's talk about the later rounds it, it'll be you know back to our thing on stage it'll be very easy for me ray to, to just have the same strategy i'm fading it mm -hmm. you know i'm, I'm not, not going to invest in josh Hader. i'm not going to invest in liam hendrix i'm just not i i tend to look at these numbers and you know, Hayter will probably be one or Hendricks one. It'll be one, two, those guys. I wonder if there'll be a strong argument for taking those guys in like the fifth round, which, which we saw this year, mm -hmm. you know, fifth or sixth round for those guys. I, I tend to think people may see the light on that and, and pull back just a bit on those stud relievers next year. Well, I mean, I'm going to say no for a couple of guys, guys like Hendricks and Hayter, because people are going to make the argument. They're so much better than everyone else. Um, and I know the strikeout rates are phenomenal and all that, but history shows us that it's extremely difficult year after year at the closer spot to do this. It's extremely difficult to do it. And going back to the innings pitch thing, I mean, Hader is fantastic. 15 and a half strikeouts per nine innings is otherworldly. But if he's throwing 57 innings instead of 77 innings, going back to the starting pitcher discussion we were having, it, it reduces their value. And, and for perspective, that's a 25% that's a drop. Yeah. In innings. So, you know, 25% drop in the impact of whip ERA, 25% drop in the number of K's you were expecting. Yeah. We're talking like losing 35, 40 strikeouts, which is huge. Go look at your standings right now. And where does that put you? Cause you're never taking hater out of your lineup if you have them. Right. So where does that put you? If you gain 35 strikeouts, I bet it gains you two points in the category. So yeah, I am not, 
I'm not one to push this anyway, but with the fact that there's so much parody and all these guys throw 55, 60 innings anymore, yeah, I'm just not doing it. Okay. Let's move along to uh, the six hole in the one through nine. Rob Povia's weekly planner highlights, and then touched on this earlier, Cleveland has nine games. Uh, Ray, you bought up Boston and the Mets with five games. We have 18 teams with seven games or more. There might be some people sitting Red Sox and Mets this week. Yeah, I've got a league where I have uh, J.D. Martinez, and I debated. You know, it's like he hasn't been great anyway, and then it's five games. <sighs> I mean, this is the time of year where all of this stuff matters. you got to play categories. We talked about it earlier with pitchers. You know, don't focus on a name as much anymore as you're used to doing. Look at the numbers. Look at the matchups. Look at the opportunity. Um, that's what we're talking about here. The opportunity, you know, getting 10 extra at bats this week from someone because they're playing three extra games is potentially huge. Give it serious consideration this week. You know, another thing I saw in Rob's article, and again, it's available at fantasyguru.com, puts it up every Sunday and then uh, updates it throughout the week. And, and Ray, we touched on um, San Francisco's ball yard last week and, and kind of how the reputation has changed. Rob mentioned Comerica Park in Detroit um, because um, what is it? I think Chicago was going to like, what do they got? Three games in Detroit, five games in Cleveland. And both those ballparks are, are kind of average, if you will. And to me, that was a little surprising. Like Comerica, when it first opened, Ray, was a, a graveyard yeah, for fly balls. Right. Now they, they adjusted a lot of things. With, they moved the walls in like 40 feet in left field. <laughs> but Ray, what, what I found notable here was, you know, they got the third highest run park factor right now in baseball at Comerica Park in Detroit and, and home runs are in the upper third which I was really surprised to see that maybe all these ballparks are kind of altering maybe I got, I've gotten too lazy and, and we can't go back to how ballparks used to play 10 years ago it seems to have changed a decade later well let's also remember they they have pitched Matt Boyd this year so that helps <laughs> single-handedly <laughs> yes. turning it into a hitter's ballpark um a lot of their guys, Boyd, Scooble, too. Um, a lot of their guys give up a lot of fly balls and home runs. You got to remember that, too. The pitching staff obviously impacts it as well as the park. But, yeah, that those numbers are certainly con contra to what the, the typical fan would think. Um, like, kind of like here in San Francisco, you know, the parks change, too. So, yeah, that's uh, definitely something to, to look at. And now in most places, the weather's pretty warm most of the time. And so the ball tends to fly a little bit better anyway. Get your uh, Philly hitters in uh, seven games this week, all at home. We know that's a hitter's ballpark and they're against Baltimore and Pittsburgh. That is a hitter's pitching staff, the Orioles and the Pirates. So uh, get your Phillies in Cleveland's home could be some streaming possibilities there. We talked about their lineup. Sure. They got Jose Ramirez, Framel Reyes. What else do they got? Nothing that jumps off the page, but uh, guys, you might want to think about streaming Mercado, maybe Bradley Zimmer. Um, Andres Jimenez, uh, even Miles Straw, if he hasn't been picked up, but I think he's been gobbled up in a lot of leagues with steals. Uh, for more on the weekly planner and kind of two-start pitchers and who Rob likes, who he's kind of bailing on again, uh, hit it up at fantasyguru.com. It's in the MLB section. Also in that section, uh, Ray has the latest fab report. This came out yesterday morning, Sunday morning. Uh, comes out before a lot of you do your bidding, so it's kind of a very worthwhile exercise there. Um, as we go to the seven spot, Ray, in our starting nine, we always like to check in uh, throughout this season on the Sirius XM Host League. And I think I brought this up in the previous weeks. I'm out of money, so I'm not involved here. A few other guys are out of money. There are plenty of other people still sitting on money, but they're not bidding. You, Ray Flowers, were the only one to pick up players on Sunday night. So congratulations on getting Carlos Estevez and Yoshi Satsuko. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny, um, Satsugo, and I've, I've written about him in the, the fab article. I mean, the last two weeks, it's got an 850 OPS last three, it's 877, you know, he, he's actually hitting well. And, uh, for the most part, he's putting an oomph into the ball. He qualifies at first, third outfield, which is nice. Um, uh, Estevez, I'm trying to gain a point in the standings, the saves category. I'm not doing anything there, but I'm trying to gain a point and, uh, you know, he's got six saves the last two weeks, even if the pitching has been spotty. So yeah, I'm I I'm gonna make a note because I am stunned in all of my leagues. The last two weeks, no one has bid mm -hmm. in all and, and of my we leagues. Know a bigger well, two reasons for two big reasons for that. Um football, okay. Uh number two, season's over. You know, people are dead, they're not going anywhere. Why are you making moves if you're 11th place in the league? Those kind of things. Mm -hmm. 
Now, number three, Ray, is no money. And, and this kind of leads me to my point. You still have money. You're still adding guys. You're looking for points. But I wonder, were the people better served that spent their money in June or July and can get three months of a guy versus you getting two weeks of Carlos Estevez? Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I'm adding these players for three bucks, four bucks. I'm not, you know, I don't have, I have $20 left. I don't have any money left. Um, but I left myself enough money to make minor moves like this, anticipating that it would be easier to get players. Not that there would be no one bidding. Um, but no, you're, you're, you are better off going early. There's no, there's no doubt about that. And cause you know, the $22 player you get in week four, or like, how about this? The 30 bucks you spend on Cedric Mullins going back to the start of the show. Ooh. Yeah. You know, I did that in one league. I had him for like 25 bucks in the second week. You know, I mean, it's like, so yeah, of course it's better to do that. Um, if you're at the point now where and we have talked about this on the show, where you're spending a hundred dollars for a catcher, you've waited too long to bid. Uh, by the way, I am rooting against Ray getting that extra point and saves because uh, I got to keep you in the rear view mirror, Ray. Yeah. So. It's close. My team sucks, but I'm still going to try to catch a cow. You know, your team's kind of fallen off. My team's taken off here in the second half. Yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed the improvement. Okay, let's go to the eight spot. It is time for our random reference. We go over to baseballreference.com. We click the uh, random reference page and boom, we get something. Uh, what do we got today? We got Danny Santana popping up. Ooh. A player page of Danny Santana. Oh, my God. Right, you got to pull up his player page. You like his beard? Um. The first thing they list, and I don't know, maybe I got the fielding page or something, but I'm mm -hmm. seeing his fielding page. Mm -hmm. But I mean, this this guy's got a long list of playing all over the place. He sure does. Like yeah. we don't think of it, we don't think of Danny Santana as a jack of all trades, but he's got 266 games in the outfield, 112 at shortstop, 67 at first, 28 at second, 14 at third, and 19 as a DH. All of that in eight seasons. The man cannot find a position right now. He's also played for four teams in eight years, which goes with the theme of, hey, I'm playing all over the place, right? That kind of player kind of at the back end of your bench kind of thing. And, you know, that's kind of what the profile says. But let's not forget that as a rookie, he had 319 with 20 steals, right? So everyone got excited. They wasn't expecting him to be kind of that jack of all trades. And then he had a couple of years where he just wasn't very good. He dealt with some injuries. He spent time in the minors. And then he went nuclear in 2019. He truly did. It was like that 2019 is off the charts strong with a, he almost went 30, 20 in 2019. Yeah. With 80 RBIs with 80 runs scored and he hit 283. That effort was a fantasy league winning effort. Because that this is one of those guys that look, we're just talking about that someone picked up in mid-April, and they got a, almost like you said, almost a thirty twenty season. It was very, it's very similar to Cedric Mullins this year, actually. Let's hope Mullins. Let's goes, hope he doesn't. Yeah, yeah let's hope yeah. he doesn't uh, turn into Danny Santana. Right, right. My God, because since twenty nineteen, Danny Santana has been a terrible player. Yeah, he, he he you we all knew he would pull back from two thousand nineteen. Well, I don't know. We all I knew, and I wrote wrote that for everyone, but didn't anticipate him falling off the cliff and just injuries and just horrid performance and. I mean, he's truly at a point now where his career is hanging in the balance. I mean, it's, and two years ago, he was damn near an all-star. Yeah. So that's, that's how quick things can change. But uh, a couple of years, one year he was really good as a rookie in that 2019 season was pretty epic. Yeah, man. 80 ribbies, 80 runs, 28 homers, 21 steals, 283 average. That looks like Ellis Burks, Kyle. Oh my God. Well, Ellis was better than this. Come on. Come on, Ray. Uh, this year, he's hitting 181 for the Red Sox, and he's only played 38 games. And might I remind you, the Red Sox could use some bats. They've given him some opportunities. He just hasn't come through. Um, he's got a lot of myths. He's got more myths than good seasons, I think, in Major League Baseball. Because uh, even this year, he's played uh, left, first, center. Uh, played a lot of uh, short, even early in his career. He's all over the place. He will. He was a, a number seven finisher in rookie of the year balloting back in 2014. Long and winding road <laughs> for our random reference, Danny Santana. Ray, let's close it down with the stamp of approval. Uh, what gets the thumbs up for you this week? I've been searching for a long time for the right pillow. Um, <laughs> I used to sleep on my stomach, uh, but then I, you know, my back, and I'm like, that's not good for you. So then I was trying to find the pillow and. I used to try two pillows and I realized one pillow was better. And I went to the my pillow route. And I, so I try to find the right pillow. I probably spent $800 on pillows over the last two years. I think I finally found one that works. And I know that sounds stupid to some people because a lot of people could care less. They can sleep on a towel, but my neck is, it gives, it's not 
bad, but it gives me some issues at times. So I finally found the coop. The coop. Coop. C O O P. The coop. Like Pillow. a chicken coop. Yeah, like that, right? <laughs> um, and I think that's the one. And um, you know, you could they send extra fill. You can take some in. You know, put extra in. You can take a little bit out, so you can adjust the, the height level yourself. But I think I finally found it after searching. It's probably my like tenth pillow I've tried. Well, I've learned something then from this podcast. We might we don't have sleeping issues too much, but um, we are in the market for new pillows. Oh, maybe uh, we'll check out the coop. Okay, perhaps. Right. Uh, my stamp of approval, and and this is just uh, late to the game, but um. One of my favorites, and this is before all the hype of the last week, and, and I think this unfortunately happens when people leave us kind of suddenly. You remember, oh, my God, this guy was great. I should have appreciated more when he was around. Um, I did not ever have that problem with Norm MacDonald, the comedian, um, who has been one of my favorites now for like 30 years. Um, very sardonic and just enjoyable and off the wall, not typical. Um, some people would say not even funny, but I always enjoyed Norm MacDonald. He passed away. I think he was 61. And, and, you know, people, if they saw him, they'd know him. He did Saturday Night Live for a number of years. But one of the remarkable things, and I bring this up, right, because um, you don't often, you don't see this in Hollywood. Um, you don't even see it in normal walk of life very often. But he'd been battling cancer for 10 years. And, like, nobody knew at all. Never made a deal of it. Never uh, gave it as an excuse for not doing stuff or not being there. So I was... Really surprised at that, uh, which gave me a greater appreciation for Norm MacDonald, the man. I always love the humor, but I don't know if that's fair or not. I had a greater appreciation. And I'm not saying that's what everyone should do, you know, suffer in silence, if you will. But I just found it noteworthy, Ray, that uh, nobody had ever even known that he was dealing with cancer. Yeah, I think a lot of people share too much. We've talked about that. A lot of people put everything on social media. You read my stream on Facebook and it's like, I can't believe some of the stuff I see there. I'm like, never talking. Well, and about then I got to look at Ray's dog, Ollie. Yeah, know. well, that's different. That's just positive <laughs> stuff. Um, I remember Norm from, you remember that show, The Middle? Yep. They have reruns on it. I've been watching that lately. So that, but I pulled up his uh, little bio here and uh, I've never seen this. Maybe you have. Uh, he had 49 episode run. In the, the Mike middle? Tyson mysteries as a pigeon. Oh, I had no idea. This guy had talent everywhere. Kyle, he could even play a pigeon. <laughs> Good voice. Good voice for all those characters like that. Uh, but anyway, hey, I did. And thankfully, he's been seeing a lot of uh, respect and love. I, it's kind of interesting. Both of if, if somebody and I'm not huge into the comedy game, like a lot of people are. Um, but if somebody has said, who, who are your favorite comedians? Number one would be Mitch Hedberg of all time. And he passed away very suddenly, very young, through his own doing. He, he pretty well kicked the bucket <laughs> by screwing around with stuff. Um, and then Norm MacDonald would be too. And, and we've lost them both kind of young. But anyway, those would be my top two, Ray. And they, they both left this world in an unfunny way. Way too young, I guess. Yeah, the... I've always liked Jerry Seinfeld. I think Dave Chappelle's pretty good. Richard Pryor back in the day. But um, I'm not as much of a comedian guy, so yeah. I'll, I'll defer to you on that. Yeah, well, hey, I, they're, all the guys you mentioned, too, are very enjoyable. Just not my favorites. Uh, that will do it for our stamp of approval and takes us to the end of the show as well, Ray. Uh, before we get out of here, what's keeping you busy this week? Where can people find you? Yeah, people can find me at the site, of course. I'm in the chat room still answering questions, helping people set their lineups, make those last minute roster decisions and moves on a daily basis. I'm uh, going to be writing the uh, football breakdown on Wednesday, that uh, 12,000 word sucker that's huge. Um, but I'll still write the baseball articles, still doing the podcast with you, still got stuff going up. We'll have one more final fab article on Saturday. Um, and then, of course, people can find us on SiriusXM Fridays uh, from 9 to 11 Eastern, Saturdays from... No Eight. way, you screwed it up. They already screwed up. Is it 10 to 12 Eastern? 10 to midnight Friday, I can't 9 to 11 up. Saturday, Thank you. 9 to midnight Sunday. <laughs> I, I, and it's all Eastern on West Coast. I screwed up. Wednesdays with Jeff Manns, 4 to 6 I'm on. So you can find just, me there. Just say this. This is what I always say yeah. when I've asked this, right? I'm on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. Yeah, find us. Well, the problem is, and I mentioned this on the show last night, the, the Sunday show is game day recap. So people go looking for the fantasy drive and they don't find it on demand. And they don't. So we even got different names. Um, but anyway, we're over there a lot and you're, you're still doing the live streams too, right? Kyle? Yep. Uh, still got fantasy. those and mixing in a little football, a little soccer, a little college football, obviously more of the baseball. Um, if you've bailed on like your fantasy season long play, check out the DFS world. You can make some money in the last two weeks. So, uh, we got you covered every night there, five 30 Eastern 
with that live stream. That's over at EliteFantasy.com. Uh, that'll take us to the end of this Baseball Elite podcast. We've got one more regular season edition coming your way. That's next Monday. Uh, then maybe we're hoping to uh, cross our fingers, have a couple of episodes to kind of recap everything that went down in 2021 and kind of take our first look ahead to 2022 and, and beyond, as they say. Uh, that'll do it for myself and for Ray Flowers. Hopefully we did it for you today. Have a great week. We'll see you next week right here at fantasyguru.com. <laughs>